What's up, everyone? Happy Thursday. It is December 16th, 2021, and another week in the books, and yet another week of perceived pain by, I think, most of us are in retail-oriented, retail, may I say, crowded growth names. And so the Fed spoke yesterday. We covered it on Unpopular Opinions, my podcast with uh, Tom Nash. We also... Um, yeah, we, we watched the whole thing, spoke a little bit about it for 20 minutes afterwards. Uh, I'll speak to it a bit more today. But yeah, lots of lots of drama in the market. Um, so let's talk all about it and kind of where I think we are. I want to know, put in the chat, are you guys fed up with investing yet? I know a lot of, I will say for, for every three investors that got into investing in 2020, I think at least two have left the market. And so if you're on the stream, chances are you haven't, which is a good thing, right? It's a good thing. I imagine everybody here will earn more money. Usually paychecks get paid out, you know, going forward. And uh, yeah, we can pick up where we where we left off. So uh, before we dive into it, I just want to call out our two sponsors. So the first sponsor is Fundrise, which is my favorite way to uh, invest in real estate without actually having to manage the real estate yourself. I think um, there are a lot of reports out there with institutional real estate investors coming down. I mean, th in this part of the cycle, you have even companies like Invitation Homes and Blackstone coming into the individual mom and pop investor space. And the returns are getting squeezed. Not only that, like it just takes so much work to manage your own real estate investments. So now look out there. You can buy a REIT for like, whatever, 4% dividend yield or whatever. Or you can invest in a really cool growing company, uh, taking advantage of kind of crowdfunding that has delivered pretty strong returns in the past and is operating more like a private equity, real estate private equity team for you. So I'm invested. They're one of two sponsors I've ever taken. So that, I, I truly believe in that. So there's that. And the next one, is obviously BlockFi. They are given nine percent interest on stablecoin right now. I mean, like if you are if you want to park cash but don't want the cash to be outpaced by inflation, which we will talk about, nine uh, percent ain't so bad. And I'm not saying BlockFi is perfect. And I'm not saying that Voyager doesn't give you more, but they sit right there in between uh, the the perceived safety and regulations and um, kind of wild west out there. I mean, you can go to DeFi and get. 900% APR, like yield by staking some uh, some tiny little coin, right? But Or you could go to Coinbase, which doesn't pay you anything. Or um, So that's just my personal favorite one. I mean, it's just easy. And, you know, I know the team really well. Uh, I've talked to a lot of their, you know, senior leadership. And, you know, I talk to them on a, on a regular basis. And they try, they're trying to do everything right in the weird gray area of... Uh, of the crypto legislation. Uh, also, don't forget to um, sign up for Roic if you aren't a Roic member already. It makes our uh, makes all this content, you know, uh, possible. And it's only the start. We try to everything I do is only going to be for like is going to be for the public YouTube channel and for the Roic membership. So thank you if you're a Roic member already. We provide all the value there. Yeah, you know our best stocks. You have all of our uh, our research, which we provide many write ups per week. Um, and community, Discord, everything, right? There's no gimmicks there. I'm not selling courses here. 
It's just one Roic membership. So thanks so much for that. And then now let's dive into it. So, um, yeah, we, we can get into C. I was looking at C. Uh, tech stocks are down, but l- l- we'll get there a little bit. U.S. equities were weaker today. The S&P, it wasn't so bad in the morning, but the S&P was down 1.1% heading into the close, reversing most of yesterday's gains. And if you remember, the market was up after the... Um, after the Fed spoke, so let's pull up, pull up the S&P 500, right? So just kind of looking at the five-day chart, Fed spoke, uh, the market rallied, and it faded today, right? So you kind of zoom out, and we're just hovering something like flat for uh, the last two months for the S&P 500. And... You go to the NASDAQ, five-day five chart, it's down, right, for the last, uh, or maybe go to the last two months. You know, since the beginning of November, the NASDAQ is down 5%. Uh, what else? Omicron, on the mind. What I'm seeing going viral on social media right now is that, you know, is this the beginning of the pandemic again? It seems like everybody in big cities, specifically like a lot of my network is in New York City, a lot of New Yorkers getting uh, getting. Omicron getting COVID despite being double vax plus booster. And uh, people are blaming SantaCon. Uh, I don't know if you, do you know what SantaCon is? Isn't that where everyone like dresses up as Santa and like drinks? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They like bar crawl and everything. Once upon a time, maybe if you guys are nice enough, I, I will post a SantaCon picture of like my first year out of college when I dressed up. It's pretty, it's old at this point. I think I've seen it when I was editing a video. Oh, really? I think I was going to add it into one of the videos. I'm glad you didn't add it. It might might be out there somewhere. Is it already out there in a video? one of the videos we've done. Anyway, neither here nor there. Uh, But by reports, the cases are still mild. So, um, oh, Colum is saying he has the OM. Does that mean the Omicron? It's going around right now. My friend has it too. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you guys don't, yeah, I mean, let us know what you think about Omicron. Uh, Alex is at saying his brother probably got Omicron. And yeah, it, it's it's another wave for sure. And it's going to rip through the states and it's already ripping through. By all accounts, it's more virulent, but less uh, less like intense in terms of symptoms, I think. I don't know, I, I, but I, I do think that um, someone actually told me, a good friend of mine said his theory is this may be, if you look at the Spanish flu, uh, the variants got uh, more contagious, but less uh, less dangerous as time got, went on. And then there was this one variant that uh, was really, really contagious, but didn't really... Uh, kill a lot of people and that marked the end of the Spanish flu. I don't know. I have to, I have to fact check him on that one, but um, he told me that I think, you know, if, if that's the case, then maybe this could be the one or hopefully we're, we're going like that in the future. Uh, that'd be nice. We'd like to get past this. Um, yeah. So yeah. Dale's saying it's ripping through Canada. Rish is saying mild isn't flu is dangerous. You know, I'm not an epidemiologist, you know, I've just been covering this to see like what the market thinks. Um, so what else? France announced it'll block entry to UK tourists from midnight Friday in in light of the surge of Omicron cases in the UK. Um, 
Let's go over yesterday because, again, we only do this for now, Mondays and Thursdays. Mondays and Thursdays, we have Roic-only streams, and then we do the public ones right before this here. So Roic members know we do a Roic-only stream after this. Um, and then uh, let's go over the, like what they said. Uh, you know, As expected, the Fed announced it'll reduce the monthly pace of its net asset purchases by $20 billion for Treasury securities and $10 billion for agency MBS, so mortgage-backed securities, a doubling in the previously announced pace that will bring everything to an end in March. QE is done in March. Uh, I remember when QE was new back in, uh, you know, back in the 09, 10, or maybe it was a little later. I just remember, and now I feel like Q QE is just endemic to what we do with monetary policy. Uh, so it might end in March, but maybe QE will come back the next uh, GDP shock we have. Um, there were a few changes, right? The dot plot, anyway, like all, the takeaway is that the median expectation is for three rate hikes in 2022 and then three more in 2023 and then two in 2024. And that's bringing the Fed largely in line with what the market has been, uh, been expecting. Uh, and core PCE inflation is expected to rise to 2.75% and unemployment is expected to fall to 3.5% uh, in line with forecasts. Uh, some things, some takeaways from J Jerome Powell was uh, he talked about the bottleneck and supply constraints uh, and how they've been larger and longer lasting than, effect than expected. Rising Omicron and COVID cases pose a risk to the outlook. But the Fed still sees rapid economic growth, um, expects full employment by next year. Uh, no decision has been taken on whether the Fed should pause between the end of taper and the first rate hike. So finishing QE, finishing, quote unquote, money printing and raising rates. But saying that there will not be a need for a long de delay between the two. Uh, what else? We had a big miss on retail spending. Uh, it was up just 0.3% month over month in no November, which is why you probably saw some weakness in re retail stocks. Um, what else? China is still weak. Another thing is activity remains slow out of the China data released this week. Uh, industrial production and property sales still weak, appear to have improved slightly. Uh, and forecasts are showing that China's GDP growth should drop to under 3%, so it's like 2.9% for this next quarter. Uh, what else? You know, uh, Fed chairman said you should like the video for the algorithm. Otherwise, that'll help That'll help fight inflation for sure. So definitely you're going to want to do that. Um, what else? And then today, you know, we talked about Fran the France news uh, we had a miss on jobless claims today, uh, rising 18,000 last week to 206,000 jobless claims. Mm, yeah, I mean, that's basically all the macro news that I wanted to go over. Uh, I just want to point out that uh, Macro Henry posted a phenomenal post in the ROIC portal, um, but and we reposted it as a, as a real post on the website. So if you're a Roke member, definitely check that out. He gave his outlook of what he thinks 2022 will look like. But in general, you should go read that. It's much more in depth. But in general, 
I'm still positioned as net bullish. As it pertains to the S&P 500, I'm still positioned as net bullish for 2022. I don't think that the headlines by non-economists out there uh, saying that we're going to have this gigantic market crash, you know, how I would liken it is we've gone from overheated, super easy money policy to less easy money policy, right? You kind of think about it. Rate hikes are going to happen slowly. We're going to ease QE pretty slowly, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, that being said, let's address why all of everybody here is on the, on the stream, right? Um, yeah, I'm just kind of going over the, the chat. Uh, okay, but l- let's look at some of our favorite stocks here that, that we all love, right? Palantir reaching 18 bucks a share. I, I don't know if I thought, ever thought we would see such a high-quality company trading for such a low price uh, or trading for such a price back to closer to where it IPO'd, right? Um, I think that was a that was a really interesting IPO price at like 10 bucks a share. I looking if I remember correctly, our work on it was that it looked pretty highly valued at the time based on its financials, but what I didn't give I don't think we really saw underlying those financials was the fact that Palantir uh, had a bunch of growth that they were already planning to just release and, and knock out over the the coming year, right? So they've been performing excellent. But they are not immune to the growth stock um, woes, if you will. So it's not like if you bought uh, Palantir in June, you know, you'd still be down 33%. Now, one of the ones that has been just nosebleed valuations that I just don't understand. I some I, I just don't understand how they just shrug everything off because they're doing so well globally was C limited. Now, someone just posted a YouTube comment and I see all of them. I see all of them. I see all of them. So if you post a YouTube comment, I will see it. I will read it. That doesn't mean I'm going to respond or like it, but I will see it. Now, this one's been a beast, right? It's been one where, of course, we all love it. We all love exposure to Southeast Asia. We all love uh, the exposure to their multi-pronged, like high-growth products, Garena and and um, all all the other stuff they have, right? But the valuation's just always been too expensive, and and they've shrugged off all of the growth stock issues this year. I mean, being up eighty percent since the beginning of the year, right? 70%. Whereas a lot of growth stocks have been down quite a bit. Now, they've come down so that they are about flat year to date and are about down 40% from just two months ago or not even a month and a half ago. So is it finally cracking? Is it finally cracking? Another thing, I mean, I haven't looked up Shopify recently. Let's look at what Shopify has been doing. It seems to finally be affecting Shopify too, but Shopify has been immune and not been so overvalued. I think there's it's some some dynamics there, but again, let's let's go to even what's a good one? Datadog. Everyone really liked Datadog, right? 
this this finally is affecting this growth stock breather this pullback is finally affecting even the growth stocks that seem to shrug off all the previous ones um we i see a lot of questions about square right square stock uh down 34 35 or even 40 percent from the summer uh, and this is not this is not uh uncommon this is actually very common so where we have tried to pivot and where we will continue to pivot of hey justin are you going to buy tesla now that it's now that it's xyz it's 926 bucks a share because you guys know I have, a, I have a fanboy price target of 1400 The answer is, well, Tesla maybe, maybe. But in reality, from a macro point of view, I've been trying to get us more towards value, more towards real cash flow, more towards great businesses that I think are going to do really well, that will be able to benefit from the extremely strong might I say, overheated economy that we will see in the coming year. If it, and if it is overheated, you do not want to own commoditized value cyclicals, right? Or maybe you do, but where I like to, where I like to really live is companies where I think that they will be able to either pass on pri pricing or, or uh, levy pricing power. So that means like actually strong businesses with real brand, brand value. Again, it doesn't need to be like Amazon level of moat, but something that I think is going to be a, an either a net consolidator, a net uh, market share gainer in the coming years. And look, like the, 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 the growth stocks, I think, are in two camps. And we've talked about this, I think, last month. Stocks that growth stocks that have fallen so now their growth is undervalued and growth stocks that have fallen and have gone from insanely expensive to just normal expensive so the question is which one do you prefer yeah let's look at nvidia Which one do you prefer? Do you prefer stocks that, like, I'm going to use Shopify, that have performed really well? Do you invest behind past performance? Do you say, I'm going to invest, these have been, valuation doesn't matter. It didn't matter in 2020. It's starting to matter in 2021. But um, growth at a reasonable price has underperformed because the market is priced to perfection. They only want to buy the stocks that just are perfect. Perfect, right? It's like, here's a, okay, here's a good example, right? If you're, you're, let's, I'm just going to use an analogy about like, and use a real estate analogy, right? So if you have two neighborhoods, right? One is growth neighborhood. One is value neighborhood. Growth neighborhood is by the ocean. It's prime, good schools. Value is like a gentrifying neighborhood that that was really run down that, that is coming back and they're trying to revitalize, right? So we have to decide between you want to invest in this in the homes in the revitalizing, gentrifying neighborhood 
or do you want to invest behind the growth of prime assets? Now, let's talk about growth stocks, right? Because you know that I've been trying to get us to the value front. And by value front, I mean um, somewhere in between. Somewhere in good neighborhood, but a, a good enough price. But those are rare, right? But let's talk about growth. In the growth neighborhood, you have homes that are reasonably priced, but need some work. So you're talking about things that are in the best, in a really good location. So in the growth neighborhood, but need a renovation, complete gut renovation. And then you have these mansions on the water that are $40 million that, that are renovated new builds or just renovated. They're perfect. They're pristine. There's not a speck of dust on them. And those ones have actually been some of the ones that have done the best, right? Like look at Shopify. I mean, and then look at C limited. Right? These are the stocks that have been just absolute monsters. They've gone from, I don't know, call it $10 million for the house to $40 million for house. Right. And so the question is, I think we're still in easy money policy times in 2022. And I think that the market as an index does well, right? But as you see, that doesn't necessarily mean that your stocks are going to go up, right? We've seen an underperformance here. Let me go to the Roke um, big board comparison chart where we have ARK Invest, which... Right. This is the sector rotation that we've seen. Right. The S&P 500 and the NASDAQ have gone up basically over the last year pretty steadily. But growth stocks have been struggling. I mean, this was largely a growth stock portfolio that we've that we've transitioned to being kind of like a half half at this point. Um, and just, just purples are invest, obviously. And. You know, like that doesn't necessarily mean that your subsector is going to do well, right? And the reason why I think the indices have done really well is because that whole time, and I've been saying this since last year, like big tech is undervalued, right? Having big moded, the strongest companies in the room at 21 times EBITDA for Microsoft, Amazon, all these multi-trillion dollar companies versus or like Google in the mid-teens EBITDA, right? You're talking about how do you, like that's, that's they make up the vast majority of the market cap of the indices. So when they do well, and when they do relatively well, the indices will go up much more than 10 other growth stocks, right? So just keep that in mind. Put it in the chat, put it in the comments, uh, what you think, where are you, where are you investing? Are you investing in, high valuation growth and a continuation of that. Like I want to own the things without a speck of dust. To me, I get scared of that because there will always be operational hiccups like, Oh yeah, this quarter we didn't meet. Um, we didn't meet our growth expectations. And then when that happens, I mean, I think you see they get smacked really hard, but maybe, maybe they go up forever. Maybe valuation doesn't matter for some stocks, but clearly other stocks valuation matters, right? Like you look at Peloton at 39 bucks a share. I mean, 
on now on a DCF basis, Peloton and Zillow are are very undervalued, and I would call these growth at a value price. So, um, it's really what you want to own, and 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 also just just bear in mind that you have to take into account like what your personal portfolio goals are, right? If you're going to hold these things or keep buying into DCA dollar cost averaging in two stocks with your savings over time. I'm not saying I'm going to take off Peloton because I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not like, yeah, I don't just pick, pick which ones that you really like. Make sure to think what's your time frame. So if your time frame is like 10 years, then it should be, I want to own this company because of, this future that I believe in that company very strongly that this is the future. And this valuation gives me enough upside on the stock and I'm happy with that. But if your time frame is only, if you're going to get upset over six months, right? And I've seen this, right? People say they're long-term investors and they come on here and they go, like I'm dying, I quit, rage quit, right? And then they're going to miss the next bull run, right? I mean, that's that's the way it happens. I see it over and over and over. It's probably happened since the beginning of, of, of stocks. We probably saw that with the Dutch India, uh, East India Company with people with fractional shares of, of voyages and people rage quitting. Uh, it's just human nature, right? If, if you're going to get up, if, you, if you're really in this for six to 12 months, then you should really be careful and really pick your poison, right? Maybe, maybe like the high valuation stocks that do, that just raise and beat, raise and raise and beat, beat and raise, beat and raise, beat and raise on every quarterly report. And they're just like, they do super well, like a Tesla. Maybe they always do really well. Maybe they do well for the next six to 12 months, right? But from a fundamental point of view and anybody like on Wall Street, most people on Wall Street, I think there's a VC style public market investor in there too. But eventually, like when you're on a 10 to 20 year view, like eventually cash flow should come somewhere, right? And valuation should matter. So you have to pick on where you're gonna, like when are you gonna really sell? When are you really gonna use the money? When are you gonna get it, start getting upset yourself? And then pick, make sure to pick according to that. The reason why I like being a 10, 20 year viewed investor, right? That doesn't mean you won't buy or sell within a, within a year. It's just meaning your view on the company is based on a 10 to 20 year view is because it's your margin of error. Your margin of safety is a lot high, higher, meaning you can be wrong. You can, um, you can kind of ignore a bunch of things, right? You just say, I think self-driving cars are going to happen. And I think this company is cheap enough. And I think it's going to be a winner. Those three things are right. You just set and forget it. Keep buying that, whatever. But if you're playing for a six to 12 month view, now you're like, okay, I like the company. I like the valuation, but what's the market going to do for six, six to 12 months? What's, is there going to be news out in six to 12 months that are going to bring this to what I think it should be worth? Because the stock can stay undervalued for a long time. The stock can stay overvalued for a long time. In fact, Amazon, right? You could have bought Amazon in 2000 and, right, that was the right decision. But 
if you couldn't have hold, if you couldn't hold on, and I keep saying this, right? And a lot of you that have been with me for a while know this. You go back, let's go max, right? If you bought Amazon in, in 1999, that was the right decision on a 10 year stack. Um, but you would have had to wait till 2009, nine years, nine whole years. To, to realize that that correct call, right? So, um, yeah. I'm not saying it was an easy call to make either, right? Like Amazon had some issues. People just, a lot of people are always doubted whether they could inflect profitability, right? Retail, retail, retail. They just underestimated the fact, one, that they would invent AWS, but two that they would like um, how great of a capital allocator Bezos was and um, economies of scale and the vision of starting with books and then going to this vertical. And then after you do this vertical, you go to here, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so every, I think everyone just needs to be honest with themselves. And so, yeah, I don't have the answers. No one has the answers. Warren Buffett doesn't have the answers. Uh, Kathy Wood doesn't have the answers. No one has the answers. People just sound smart, sound less smart, get lucky. Monkeys at a dartboard, for those of you that know that reference. Um, but I also don't think the market is super efficient either. So I think we can all do this together. We just, we just all need to make sure what we're owning aligns with our goals. Cool. All right, what should we, I know the chat's been, been wild. Guys, only 89 likes. Let's get us up to like 200 likes. If you guys can get me up to 200 likes tonight, I'm going to be a happy man. We have some questions in the chat. All right, let's do it. And some voicemails. Okay, let's, let's do it. Chat questions. What do you want to do first? Let's go with some voicemails first. And then we'll get back to the chat. Sounds good. Hi, Justin, long-time Rook member here. Thanks for everything you do. I just wanted to know your thoughts on Texas Instruments. The company seems to have solid growth, and it is uh, priced at a very reasonable valuation. They seem to be generating tons of free cash flow and guiding for higher growth next year. Would love to hear your thoughts on this. Thank yeah. you. I mean, this has been a stall, like a very stable, um, great company for, de I think, decades, right? Just for decades. They're trading at like 17 times EBITDA, two and a half percent dividend yield, solid growth in 2021. They make, make and sell semiconductors, but I believe they're not like the, the most valuable types of semis. Uh, someone might know a little bit more about that. Uh, let's see the financials. Yeah, I mean, I think the problem is they haven't had great growth over the last five years. So I'm wondering if they kind of get into the game. We saw uh, Qualcomm kind of get into the game um, with auto semiconductors, or they're planning on. But it's a really nice, stable business with fat margins that is really defensible. And the question for this is always going to be growth. This one looks 
like a solid stock. I don't know why I would own this over QQQ, though. What I don't know why I would own this over, I don't know, like an Apple. I think I'd rather own QQQ or Apple rather than Texas Instruments because I don't think there's much of an edge in Texas Instruments. And it's it's a cheaper valuation than Apple, but it deserves to be a cheaper valuation than Apple. And if you believe that, yeah, I just, I, I, I don't know. This one's, it's a, a good solid one. I just don't know why I would own it. But if you, if you like the dividend yield of 2.5%, maybe that's why. But yeah, I like it. I don't, I don't like it as uh, compared to the opportunity cost of like just owning Q, uh, the NASDAQ or kind of a big tech ETF. Um, so uh, I want to jump to uh, Huang Le, uh, Lee said, it's all about liquidity, pal. Pal. Uh, the Fed ha only has $150 billion on its balance sheet in 2000. Now they have $9 trillion. Yeah, so I agree with that. So there's a bunch of like, I agree that there is liquidity. There's rates issues. We've talked about how um, this overall bull market since the 1980s has been correlated with rates going down, liquidity going up. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, like, if I pump liquidity in a vacuum, liquidity doesn't necessarily mean valuations go up it's a it's definitely like a force but you also have to realize there's like gdp growth in that time there's innovations like bro in 2000 we didn't have this right never had any of these i mean we didn't even have like these gaming computer things right i mean there's a lot of factors to the economy and i don't think it's just liquidity but i i agree with you like right that's a big factor um it's a big factor why there was no like when i um when I did my first TikTok, which was my first public video ever, I said, I'm going to start buying at 24, 2500 on the S&P 500 because that's about like when things start looking cheap according to the last recession. Well, I didn't realize that they were going to dump trillions of liquidity and we basically had no dip, right? There was a very short dip and then we just went straight up to the right. So anyway, um, cool. Uh, people asking about calling in, the phone number is in the description i believe yeah the phone number is in the description so just look in the description there's a phone number there's a google voice number so let's do one more voicemail and we'll save three for the row extreme and then um and then we can jump I, the, it's pretty active chat today thanks everyone for being here hey justin rogue member i like pigs but since the cfo left i started looking into insider selling particularly by the ceos it looks like since September, they've both been selling every month, including like 4 million shares combined early in September. I know you say that insider selling happens for a variety of reasons, and it's not necessarily a bad sign. From what I can see, this is like more than half of their stake in the company that they've sold, but I'm not sure if I'm reading or interpreting what I'm seeing online correctly and how accurate it is. Um, is it possible for you to find or provide accurate numbers? Uh, in this case, for insider selling, and then for everyone's benefit, where do you suggest is the best place to get this info for any company going forward? Again, that's Figs, ticker F-I-G-S. Thanks, Justin. Figs. That's another one. I just, I love the product. I love the trend. 
Let's see how they've been doing. Oof. Oof. Growth stocks, man. Down 50% since June, July. Mm. I'll own this one someday. I like figs. All right. Look, they're trading at 32 times EBITDA. Oh, they're starting to get to be sort of reasonable. You know, I like those scrubs. You know, I like those scrubs. Got a lot of brand value with doctors and nurses. I know we have some doctors in the chat already. I see, I see them. So if you guys have any experience in hospitals right now, let us know if everybody's still buying figs or is there, or if they're getting chipped away by, uh, yeah, some other brand. But I, my perception is they are the Lululemon of, or maybe even stronger of scrubs. Okay. So, um, split spin holders. There we go. Insider transactions. So let's look this up together. Okay. So we got some sale, sale by people sold on IPO. Sale by, okay. So we have. Director selling minus 10% of their holdings. Transaction type other though. Uh, director, 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 directors. Lots of directors selling. So I wonder. Okay, so Heather is coach CEO. Transaction, title amount, class A. Yeah, I mean, I would have to like compile this a little bit more and really look into it. I think there's two different types of sales. There's just straight selling by CEO, Heather, and his Eva, or Catherine. Yeah, who's the other co-CEO selling? Or is it because... Are they selling one just like a straight sale or are they selling as a part of a, of like a plan? Sometimes the plans tell you the days that you're going to sell the stock, right? So like it's actually not their choice. Um, so there's, there's that. I mean, but in general, yeah. Oh, so it looks like Heather, co-CEO, converted some. And then sold. Yeah, I mean, it's not great. It's not like, it's like, I don't think I would say, I don't think this is a bearish signal, but I also don't think that this is a bullish signal, right? And I think it's net bearish, but it isn't like a screaming sell the stock thing. I think it's, I think it's just one of the many pieces of the mosaic that you have to pull together. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm not seeing anything from this that I would take away like automatically, but yeah, this doesn't look great. It doesn't look great, but also put in to perspective how much they own. So if this is right, which I don't know if I trust this. Yeah. They're, re they're reducing their position in the company since the beginning by about a total of 
like 20%. So let's say you're a founder, right? And you've sweat toiled and cried and bled for the company. And you've been at this for when was figs, which again, I'm spending a lot of time on this because I like figs as a, as a stock. I really want to own this company someday. Um, so they founded the company in 2013. So at this point, you're like eight years into your like journey starting the company and you finally go public and you sell 20% of your stock for, um, you know, to buy a house for your family, to secure net, your net worth. It isn't crazy, right? It doesn't necessarily mean like you have to realize the vast majority of people's wealth your founder is in your stock, right? So you may be a bill, like even a billionaire on paper needs to sell stock in order to buy things in the real world. But it's definitely not a good sign. Like what a really good sign is to me is, is a bunch of directors and a bunch of, um, a bunch of like officers just like aggressively buying shares in their own stock and then trying to get as much equity incentive um, so that is not necessarily bad because right how, what I just described, but it's not, it's definitely not like a good sign and it's, it can be net bad depending on how aggressive the selling is. Cool. I know we have a lot of, uh, uh, chat questions. Yeah. Do you want to dive into some? Yeah, let's do it. So somebody asked, you made me a ton of money from the TikTok days shouting upro does it still have a bright future or even a good time to buy more wait i i made them money they say okay well thanks for watching me back then um the market made you money i just helped educate let's just call it that okay um ultra pro oh this is when i said some of you aren't yeah, so this is like a, a three times levered ETF for um, for the NASDAQ. I think the NASDAQ. No, no, S&P 500. Yeah. So is it still good? Well, this is like, what do you think is going to happen with the S&P 500? I think the TikTok I did, I don't remember, was some of you are bored with just buying the S&P or the NASDAQ. If you want more... You can buy the leveraged ETFs. But I also, I think I warned over some YouTube videos that these leveraged ETFs are reliant on derivatives that have time decay. So it's not, you're not going to get three times the upside holding these things. And you're going to actually lose a bunch of value. If, if you're going to lose value, if the S&P trades flat, you're going to lose some time decay because that's how they get it is through derivatives. So, do you think the S&P 500 goes up over the next six months? If, if you have a view there, and if you say, I think the S&P 500 is going to go up in the next three to six months, ultra pro, UPRO, good stock down. But you have to believe that. I'm saying, if I had to guess, I think the market will stay strong, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go up. Could, it could just kind of grind higher very, 
very small or, or trade flat or whatever. I just don't think we're going to see a like a crash next year or early, at least in the next six months. So, yeah, I, it's not a play that I've ever made. Um, but I don't think it's 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 definitely I don't think it's it's a bad play as long as you're bullish on the market. But yeah, so that, that's that. That's the answer there. Somebody else asked, what are your thoughts on CrowdStrike right now? Wow. Oh, man. Ro so Rogue is saying it was pandemic days. And I said, I, I liked you pro at 30 bucks a share. That might have been at the bottom, dude. <laughs> I called this thing at the... I, I don't even remember that, man. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> All right. Um, wait, sorry. Can you repeat that other question? Somebody was asking what your thoughts are on CrowdStrike. CrowdStrike now. Okay. So CrowdStrike is going to be one of the ones that we talked about in the beginning of the stream. And if you guys are joining, thanks for being here. Definitely like the video. We're almost at 200 likes. That's what I said would make me a happy man. Right now I'm a grumpy man. I'm 28 likes away from being a happy man. Um, <laughs> uh, this one is one that I've always, I've liked, right? CrowdStrike. I like, we did a cybersecurity deep dive. Grace did a really great job editing it. That one was a hard one to edit. Um, and this has gone from very expensive to pretty expensive, right? So I personally am staying away from that category, but m I know there are a lot of people here, and I know there are even Roke members that are like, I really like the content, but I disagree with some of the macro thing, which is all fair, right? I am me, you are you. We can be a happy family, researching family together. You might tell me, Justin, you're an old fogey. You're too Wall Street. You focus too much on valuation. Uh, I'm invest behind strength. The strongest are going to do the best, regardless of valuation. CrowdStrike is going to be one of them. But CrowdStrike is the one. CrowdStrike's starting to get competition from Sentinel-1. Right, but they're finally getting affected, which I'll, I'll just right Sentinel One went public like less than six months ago. They're finally getting so this is a six month chart. They're finally getting affected by the growth stock weakness. Finally, it's hitting even the strongest now. So, CrowdStrike still expensive. Uh, yeah, trading at some ungodly number times EBITDA, 29 times forward gross profit. So I can't justify owning this on a discounted cash flow basis, even on a 10 to 15 year one, unless you think it's going to like 20 X revenues, like over the next five to 10 years. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm staying away. It again, call me old school, but if the one that I've been We've, we've been eyeing for the big board is uh, Palo Alto Networks because trading it. Oh, I guess it got more expensive since it's been doing well. But it's at a more reasonable price, 35 times forward EBITDA. I guess 22. Yeah, I guess it's even more expensive, 40 times EBITDA. But it's been doing really well. That's one that we've, we've said we've really liked for a while. 
and it's just it's only done pretty well in this market it's done really well so you know can't catch them all i ain't at ash ketchum did you get that reference pokemon yeah uh, i'm so nerd I'm, i can't believe you guys put up with my dad jokes okay um what else Somebody asked why at this price are you interested in Palantir at this valuation? Of all the growth stocks that are popular with investor retail investors, this is my favorite. My DCF has them fair value at 25 bucks a share, 26 bucks a share. So Yeah, I like it. Think there's like a 30% upside to fair value. It's a really great asset. They're doing really well. I think we're getting close. But I also I also know like my business, right? My livelihood now is is uh trying to provide equity research for everybody, which it's impossible, right? It's just inherently impossible. So what I'm doing for my own portfolios for ROIC, right, is not only do you have to play individual stock picker, but you have to pick, you have to be portfolio manager, which is something that's like an overlay, right? So if I think there's probably more underperformance to be had in growth stocks as a whole, especially retail ones, as retail investors quit the market, which I hope everybody here does not, hey, I'm a happy man, 200 likes. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, I think there's still more pain to be had. I don't think we just go up to the right. I think some of these value stocks, I think Fang is like not Fang. So like Amazon, Microsoft, uh, Apple, Google, like a lot of these companies, I think they still have a lot of room to run. I think cyclicals have a long room to run. If I'm going to take really big, shots i want to do so with both this is a good company and the valuation is just screaming at me so um cool what else someone asked what's in your portfolio oh yeah <laughs> definitely uh you have to sign up for the roic for roic um again we price it as just one lunch a month and uh you can see the whole portfolio uh so there's two portfolios. So I have dedicated almost $300,000 of my own money for the community. So um, 100 and, well, it's less now, right? So, <laughs> 160 grand of it is in the Roic B portfolio, which is like my actively managed portfolio of just like opportunistic. And then I have 100 grand, or at least now it's like 105 grand in uh, like my compounder board, which is my favorite stocks where you just set it, forget it. I think it outperforms the S&P 500. You just monitor it. And I think like you make a few adjustments every year, but that's like the kind of better version than an index fund kind of portfolio in my mind. So you can get to see that. So definitely check it out. Please join Rock. Uh, helps us create the content. Um, let's do maybe one or two more and then we can uh, flip it over to the Roic stream. Just adding on to that Palantir chat that we just had, Andrew asked, but do you wait and try to time the bottom or just say I like this company a lot and its valuation is very good right now? Specifically about Palantir. 
or just in general within that palantir chat gotcha so here's a good example if you it sounds like people really love palantir i want you to close your eyes and just say what am i sure of what does the world look like in 10 to 15 years what are the first couple things that pop in your mind? Those are the two things that are that you're most passionate about. So I want you to think about those things that you're most passionate about that you feel like like I will chop off my left arm, that's happening. Right? So if the first one is we're all going to be driving electric vehicles. Sure. But so now you got to go find opportunities within that electric vehicle future, right? But Unfortunately, some of those sectors are going to be overvalued. Rivian at over $100 billion overvalued. It's flat out, man. If Rivian comes to me and, and looks me in the face and says, we're not overvalued, I'll say, BS, right? Come on, man. Uh, come on, man. Uh, so you have to go down the list. So after EVs, maybe it's cannabis. Well, a lot of cannabis. Well, cannabis has gotten smacked in the mouth, beaten down into the dirt. And there are still companies that are have basically zero revenue and are overvalued. And there are some companies that we really like, heroic, that that are undervalued, like that are trading for like five times cash flow, five to ten times cash flow. Right? So if the valuation is good, we're buying in. I don't really care what happens. Like personally, I don't really care what happens because I'm not buying options. These things don't expire. I still own stock in that company. And that company is going to continue to expand, grow revenues and grow cash flow. And in five to 10 years, I'm paid back. Plus I own the stock. Like that's how you should think about it. If something's trading for five times revenues, that means if you just hold it for five years and it's stable, you're paid back your money in full. And now you own the company, right? So that's the something like, I'm super, super confident about. But if you think that, like, if you closed your eyes and you thought, one of the things I'm just so, so sure of is that Palantir will be the next layer of operating system in the world for businesses. It's going to be as big as Salesforce, right? If you think that, oh, I actually did a tweet about this. So actually, I... I Gave a lot of th thought to that tweet. So I'm going to pull it up and end with this. Um, Got to scroll down. Here it is. Okay. Insanely simple test on if you should buy, hold, sell Palantir. One, will Palantir be, become as huge as Salesforce, Oracle, or Adobe? Two, will this happen within 10 to 12 years? Three, are you happy with a 5x return? In 10 years. If you answered yes, yeah, the answer is yes. If you answered no to any of these three, then you, you'll probably be paper-handed, right? These are the three questions. And the reason, and then I even did this with SBC, even with stock-based comp. If you, if you said yes to any of these three, then, and you believe it with your whole heart. And not only that, you like this theme more than any other theme out there, then the answer is yes. But if you if you if you answer no to any of those three, it's gonna be 
paper, layers of paper in your hands and not diamonds. To use what the, the cool kids say these days. All right, let's do one more and then we'll move it to the rock trap stream. Actually, this one's really good. Can I just take it? So Tan is asking, what do you think about Alibaba? Will it be delisted? I can't. So Alibaba, I can't tell you whether they're going to be delisted or not. That's a political move. I don't know any politicians. It's like most, the last thing I want to ever be associated with. Um, but I think I see a lot of very smart global-minded value investors, Buffettites, that are buying Alibaba, doubling down, doubling down, doubling down. I've made my fair share. And specific Rogue members know too, right? I've made two specific China mistakes. And I'm done. Not only that, I want you guys to go look up Brent Johnson and his dollar milkshake theory, which says that because because the whole euro dollar thing that uh, a lot of other companies, uh, oh, sorry, a lot of countries have dollar denominated debt, that if things happen, just go read, just go watch dollar milkshake theory, that all the liquidity will be sucked up by the US. And the macro data ain't looking all that great out of China too. So, there's a lot of layers to that that makes me think Alibaba is a value trap. And it's not a value trap because they don't have a business moat. It's a value trap because there's macro and geopolitical things associated with it that is un underwritable. It's not under, I can't underwrite what China will do. Therefore, I'm not going to issue that policy. I'm not going to buy that stock. So... Yeah, and Rish is saying Munger said bye. I agree. I mean, that's 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 good. I just, right? But it goes against the whole invest behind America. That's not how Buffett made his money, right? That's not how they made their money investing in America. And so what I, I think I'm, I'm just very, very focused. I mean, I've always been focused on U.S. equities. That's where I'm going to be focused. The global thing, I'll get my global exposure with crypto. I appreciate you all. Thank you so much. If you guys are a Rogue member, remember, we're going to keep going for another at least 30 minutes. Probably It's usually more like 45 to 60 minutes. Um, and uh, all you got to do is go to the website or the Roic portal. It's all on the website. You log in. And we have links over there. And we will uh, be streaming. We have, like, more voicemail questions. We cover more stocks. And, yeah. All right. Until next week, happy investing. I'll see you in the next one. Bye.